Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. This is a parable that Jesus told. And the last time I preached on this subject matter, there was a little thing I did with my group of hearers, and I don't know why it is, but the ones that heard this message always remember the message. And it maybe is the most memorable message because of that, because of what we did. Um, I used to uh, come into my youth group, and I had a group of kids that really over the years had became very, very well versed in the Bible. I knew the Bible extremely well. So what I would do was I would come in and I would give them a random title to my sermon and I would see if they could predict what I was going to teach on. You know, I'd say, well, tell me what I'm going to teach on. This is the title. What scripture am I going to read from? And, and what's the, uh, you know, what am I going to challenge you to do by the end? So I would let them kind of guess what my message was. Well, this particular message, I stumped them so bad that um, they could not figure out what my message was about. And I know there are two people in here that were at that message. It's not the same message, but it's the same context as the message. But today the title of my message is Beware of the Bearded Darnell. So I began to ask them. Now I gave you the scripture already so you kind of can get a heads up on what I'm preaching on. But I began to ask them, who is the Bearded Darnell? You know, does anybody know who the Bearded Darnell is? I said, surely you've heard of the story of the bearded Darnell, because a parable is a story. And so as I began to ask him, some of the ideals that I that I got for my sermon were, and one that was a pretty popular one was, he sounds like a truck driver. You know, a bearded truck driver named Darnell, and we need to really watch out for him and be careful. So... Anytime I ever were around my teenagers and I mentioned Bearded Darnell, they immediately knew what this message was about. They immediately remembered it, remembered the challenge of the message. But today, we're going to talk about the Bearded Darnell. Beware of the Bearded Darnell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray over your word, Lord. Give us eyes, Lord, that can see, ears, Lord, that can hear. Father, help us today, Lord. Every person here, Lord God, I pray that their ears would hear this message. They would apply it to their life, Lord God, that we would walk cautiously as a church, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 13. It says, verse 24. Chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And then he went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, you didn't, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? He said, An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. 
Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and then in bundles, uh, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into the barn. So some of your Bibles, if you have a King James Version, it says the, the weeds are called what? Tares. Now, as you begin to study, and I'll read a few passages here in some Bible dictionaries. If you look at a Bible dictionary, the name of the weed that specifically is being talked about here is called a bearded darnel. So beware of the bearded darnel. It's a tear. It's a weed that will grow amongst the wheat. And this parable is really interesting and something we have to really pay very close attention to. Because Jesus in this passage in Matthew told eight different parables. In fact, this is the fourth. He just told four parables and this is the fourth one. And for some reason of all the parables, and if you look back a little bit at your subtitles, you'll see that he tells the parable of the sower. He tells the parable of the weeds. Oh, I didn't write them all down. But he tells a total of eight parables. And this is after the fourth one. And what's really interesting is they don't ask any questions about the other parables. They stop him and they have to know about the weeds. Isn't that interesting? That the disciples really don't ask any questions about all of the other parables. But when Jesus gets privately with them, they immediately say, we've got to know about the weeds. They wanted to know what that parable meant. And you'll see it in verse verse 36. 36 to 43 says, Then when Jesus left the crowd, he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is who? The Son of Man. The field is who? The world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up, now who are the weeds? Sons of the evil one. As the weeds are pulled up, they're burned in the fire. So it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So this bearded Darnell is a very serious thing that we have to really beware of. The tares or the weeds growing up among us. And so as you begin to study this, let me read a few passages on what a what the tares are. This is Holman's Bible Dictionary. It says, it defines the tares as follows. 
Tares are a term for grassy weeds that resemble wheat. Now, what do they look like? They look like wheat. Who are the wheat? So we could say there's a school of thought from some people that we could say, well, the field is the world. We're the Christians and they're the world. And there's a clear difference between the two. But this kind of makes the, the parable a little bit more personal because the wheat and the tares look the same. You know, it's like not only are there people, everybody that's walking on this earth looks a lot alike from the outside, right? And you really can't tell because the Bible, last week I talked about the gospel. And I said the gospel is that Jesus lived He was the person that was prophesied to be the Messiah, the Redeemer. But then he also died, just like the Bible prophesied he would die. And he also was resurrected. And he took his place as the restorer of everything, right? And in order to be a part, I mean, he was the only one that God sent to restore everything. That's the gospel. And he's not just going to restore you. He's going to restore the entire world. And it's very exciting When you begin to look at what happened in heaven when he took the deed to the earth to restore everything. And so we don't just look. We're not looking at what's just in front of us. And this is a problem with the tares as we'll begin to see. They only see what's right in front of them. What we're looking at is not only this world that we live in, but we're also looking forward to the world to come. And that's one thing that really separates us from the world. Because we all look alike. Everybody you see at the shopping mall, the grocery store, everybody looks alike. We're all human beings, right? But the Bible says the kingdom of God is in here. The kingdom of God is in here. So one day it's going to be a reality, but right now there is a king that is reigning in a kingdom and some people have bowed their knee to that king and made him the Lord of their life. So this parable, this story of the wheat and the tares is trying to make sure that you're one of those people that is the wheat. And the, the, the wheat is clearly identified as a person that already lives in that kingdom. They bow their knee. A lot of people want to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But the Bible requires that you, you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people that accept Him as their Savior. Why would you not? But there's not as many people that accept Him as the Lord of their life. Lord, I bow my knee because You're the one that owns everything. You're the one that judges everybody. You're the one, I mean, you, you do realize when, it, when, when you say don't judge other people, you do realize His job is to judge. He would judge everybody. So what is the purpose of me preaching this message? Let me be really, really clear what my goals are with this message. The Bible says that I will give an account one day of your behavior. You'll give an account before God. But the Bible says every minister will give account for your condition. Now you may totally decide to go in a different direction from the Lord, but I'm going to be accountable for that. Eddie's going to be accountable. Anybody who's up here teaching this message is going to be accountable for how we taught you. And they're going to say, "Did you? are you responsible? Is blood on my hands because of the way I taught this? 
And so I've got to be very clear because as you begin to look at this, you'll see that a lot of the tares that the Bible speaks of are in the house of God. And what my purpose of this message is this, and you don't have to turn there. But in 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 5, it says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So what we have to do and what my message is today is really clear. We have to constantly examine ourselves to see if God is the Lord of our life. And every time you walk into this building, you notice I didn't say test yourself to see if you're perfect. Test yourself to see if you're good enough. Test yourself to see if you did enough good works this week. See, these are the things that make a tear. In fact, some would call them holy tears. Sorry, I I knew I would throw that in at some point. But you're not examining yourself to see if you're perfect because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. I'm not trying to see if you do more good works than the next person because we'll see later this is what a tear does. A tear lives by something besides the Word of God. Now, now do we do good things? Yes. Do we live a holy life? How do we live a holy life? If we're not righteous, no, not one. Because we bow our knee to the Lord of heaven and earth. When I... I'm an heir. I don't walk away and say I'm not an heir. I bow my knee. That God help me. I fell again. I bow my knee. I say, dear God, help me. There's a real difference between the wheat and the tares. Let me go on with this definition. Holman Dictionary. Actually, one more scripture I want to read there. Second Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. What's that mean? Try as hard as you can. Make make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never, that word is never, stumble. So you're, do you see this examination to make sure that I'm that God is the Lord of my life? He's the Lord of my life. I'm not perfect. How many agree that I'm not perfect? But you know what? That was way too many hands, way too fast. <laughs> My wife told you guys that when she walked in, didn't she? But I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying He's the Lord of my life. And you have to understand that because when I begin to speak this message, the enemy will try to tell you you're not good enough or you don't do a good enough things or you don't do this or you don't do that. He's the Lord of your life. I fall down, I bow my knee. Something good happens, I bow my knee. I worship God. And you'll see the difference here as we go along. But here's the darn out. Tares are grassy weeds that resemble wheat. They generally identify as darnell. It's pretty much accepted today that the tares that Jesus spoke of are the darnell of the genus Lolium. It is possibly mentioned by some re- 
is also a possibility mentioned by some researchers, researchers, but based on archaeological studies, the evident lack, um, let's see, secular dictionaries also define the tear as the most likely being the darnel. Darnel is a weed grass, probably bearded darnel, that looks very much like wheat until it is mature. Now, did you hear that? It looks very much like wheat until it is mature. When the seeds reveal a great difference, Darnell seeds aren't good for much except to burn to prevent them from spreading. World English Dictionary. Easton's Bible Dictionary says, The bearded Darnell mentioned only in Matthew 13 is the lolium tumentulum tum, whatever the... Uh, the uh, genus is for that. The species, it's a species of ryegrass. Now everybody's heard of ryegrass. The seeds of which are a very strong poison. It bears the closest resemblance to wheat until the ear appears. And only then, you hear that? Only then when the, the fruit appears at the top can you tell the difference. It says only then the difference is discovered. It grows plentifully in Syria and Palestine, so they would have been well aware of this plant. Another one, the American Heritage Dictionary. A definition, an adjective of the word bearded darnel is inducing or tending to induce sleep upon the eater. It causes them to be drowsy. It is a drug or other substance that induces sleep. It's a hypnotic. Smith's Dictionary comments on tares. There can be little doubt that the weeds in this parable denotes the weed called darnel. The grains of the darnel, if eaten, produce convulsions and even death. A very interesting note, uh, botanical.com. The mixture of grain with, mixtures of the darnel grain with nutritious cereals is, that's often found growing, should be guarded against. The properties of this plant are generally regarded as uh, dangerous. Gerard tells us the new breed of Darnell, when it is eaten, it causes drunkenness. Darnell has been given medically in a harmful quantity. It's recorded to produce symptoms of drunkenness, trembling, followed by the inability to walk. It hinders your speech and it causes you to vomit. For this reason, the French uh, use the term... Um, the French call Darnell liar. The word Darnell itself is a French word and testifies to its intoxicant qualities, being derived from the old French word Darnay, which means stupefied. The ancients supposed it to cause blindness, hence the Romans would say the phrase, um, to live on Darnell means to be a dim-sighted person, meaning you couldn't see very far. You just could see it right in front of you. Now, this is very important. Why would I read all that? It's very important. Let me go through the um, the definitions again. Causes sleepiness, drowsiness, hypnotic episodes, convulsions, drunkenness, intoxication, trembling, inability to walk, hindered speech, vomiting, stupefaction, which I looked up the definition, means to be in a state of losing sensibility, such as with a narcotic. Dim-sightedness means having dim sight and totally lacking any perception. Now let's plug this back into the parable. There are wheat and there are tares. Jesus planted the wheat. 
And here's the tear. Now the purpose of this message is for me to help identify what the tear is and who is living a life that is like this tear. So as we begin to look at it, how do we distinguish? Well, three things about them that we have to really watch if we're going to distinguish between a weed and a tear. Okay. Number one, they were planted together. You notice they were all planted at the same time. So here they are. One is planted by Jesus. The other one is planted by Satan. Now, what does the Bible say in the book of Genesis happened when sin came into this world? The ground became very difficult to work. Why? Because it began to grow weeds, thorns, thistles. I don't know that you actually plant ryegrass. Does anybody know that? Just my assumption, and I haven't looked it up in the botanical books, but I'm assuming that the planting of rye is just a wild plant, right? Somebody actually planted it. It says Satan planted it, but ryegrass or... Okay, so so you can actually plant it. I know in the garden that uh, when these weeds began, began to grow, and anybody have ever weeded out a garden, you know they grow extremely fast and very quick, and, and, and you don't have to even plant a weed. I mean, it just shows up. And it's like, get out of here, and it's very invasive. And I know in the period of time that we're looking at, they would actually hire large crews of people just to try to keep them out of, uh, of different gardens, try to get rid of it. In fact, I have a study, a modern study, that talks about the dangers of ryegrass. And it says, it says, farmers in the modern wheat belt of America have taken measures to control the effects of tares. It's as an effect on their cattle due to a bacteria. And in a 30-year study, 250,000 sheep and 600 cattle have died because of it. Not to mention the effects of the intoxication on scores of others. This is actually an agricultural report. So these tares, Jesus, in order to have a seed that is from the Lord, a person has to actually, in fact, the Bible says it in many places, the seed is the word of God. And in order to receive that seed of Jesus in our heart, we literally have to bow down to Jesus and accept him as the Lord of our life. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of our life. So this person begins to take root, and that seed literally is the seed of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says there are going to be all people around us that are just going to grow like weeds, and they're going to be planted with us. And they're going to begin to, as you, as you look at this story, they're beginning to grow and nearly overtake the wheat. And I think this is why the disciples were very curious about this. They were really wondering, God, why don't you judge the wicked? You know, God, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Why do they prosper? And they begin to grow together and, and, and the fear is the roots of the tear can actually overtake the wheat. But you couldn't really go in and remove the, the tares because they were growing together. You know, God can't really truly judge the world without affecting us. So God has basically said, just let them grow together. And there's going to come a day when I'm going to do just like a wheat field. I'm going to begin to come in and I'm going to begin to root out the tares. 
But here they are growing and maturing together. And something we, one thing we need to really watch as we look at this parable, one of the dangers and the, and the beware of the bearded Darnell, one of the things we really need to watch is you can actually go to church your whole life, mature with the wheat and still be a tear. And so my job is to make sure there's no deception in your walk. You know, I really, uh, I worry. I pray for people that I, that I care about, people that I love, and I walk into this place and I just begin to think, you know, I don't know by looking who a weed and a tear is. You know, one of the, um, I can't remember which minister of the past said, I wish there were a stripe on the back of people so I would know who was right and know who wasn't right. But here's the problem. You walk into the sanctuary and some of you have been told, well, you're right with God because your grandma told you. Or you're right with God because your dad told you. Or you're right with God because your mom told you. Or your pastor told you. And here's the thing. If you haven't accepted God, Jesus Christ, as the Lord of your life, there's a really good chance you're a tear. And it breaks my heart. And that's what I want to begin to discover as we go along here. Who are the weak? Who are the tares? They're maturing together. And you begin to, and I, and, you, and I just can't distinguish the difference all the time. You know, I can't distinguish which one's the wheat, which one's the tares. And I'm, and I'm just kind of like, God, please help me here. You know, you speak a message every week and I speak to some, uh, sometimes and, and I give an altar call and guess what? Everybody says they're wheat. Everybody's wheat. And I hope that's the case. But Jesus was telling this story for this reason because it's so hard to tell the difference. Not only did they grow together or plant, be planted together and grow together, they also were harvest, harvested together. And as th- this is the stage, really this is the only stage where we really begin to realize that there's actually a difference between the two. Now remember when I... Uh, I spoke about the bitter root a few weeks ago. I said a bitter root can begin to grow in you. It's amazing. This plant is really similar to wormwood. It's a plant that grows up with a really light um, head on the top of it. And when we begin to harvest it, it's tiny little black seeds. And you harvest this, and if somehow it gets mixed with the grain or the wheat, Somehow if you don't, and what they'll use is they'll use a sieve. And they'll begin to uh, filter out the seeds because they're smaller and they'll fall out of the sieve and they know they have the weed. And then they'll also use the wind because they come up so fast they, they really have no weight to them. So as they begin to throw the sheaves of weed up, then the wind just kind of blows it away. The, the, the chaff and then the seeds are just kind of, they use a sieve for it. But these seeds, um, this plant produces a very bitter um, seed. And it's a poisonous seed and it's an intoxicating seed. And, and, um, in a lot of churches, you see the effects of the tares in the church. And it's something you have to be really cautious about because every week God's called us to preach this message to every living human being. God wants us to preach this gospel. God wants us people to wake up to their condition. But you have to be really careful because as this plant begins to grow in our midst, you begin to see people fall asleep. 
It's like if I were to, if I were to say to myself, you know, I trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And then I just began to go away from that in my life. And you know, it's not really that important, you know, not really that big of a part of my life. I may have known people that have done that at one time in their life. He was the Lord of their life. It was the most important thing in their life. And a lot of churches, what you begin to find is they lose their first love. It becomes the second or third or fourth or maybe even tenth thing in their life. And you begin to see the effects of this plan. People begin to fall asleep. It says they begin to stagger and they can't walk right. They begin to be in a state almost of drunkenness. In fact, it said um, they lose their sensibilities. And so what you'll begin to see, definitely you see this in the world. They have no sensibilities. It's like God has clearly said from heaven that that is wrong. That that's an abomination to God or that's a sin against God. And you just begin to see this stupefaction, if I can use that word. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's really stupid to go against God. And you begin to see this worldly drunkenness. And you begin to see this worldly staggering. They can't walk uprightly before God. Their wickedness reaches levels that we never thought this world could reach, and that is the lifestyle of a tear. But I want to talk about the ones in God's house, the ones that look like the wheat. Because I do really think that Jesus was trying to speak to the ones that look like wheat. And the only way that you can begin to tell the difference is the fruit. So turn to Gen- or Galatians chapter 5. It says, verse 16, So I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. You see this battle here? Our sinful nature, this is why we make mistakes and we err, right? And you say, oh no, he's going to say that I'm a tear if I, if I sin. Didn't I cover that already? God does not want us to sin. God expects us to live a holy life, right? He expects it. He says it's your reasonable service. To be a living sacrifice. And without holiness, you will not see God. But part of that plan is that I'm not a perfect human being. So I will sin. But when I sin, how do we react? We are concerned about it. We are, we repent. We have a contrition about it. In fact, the Bible says that his people, uh, at one point in the Bible, it says they forgot how to even blush. They were so far from repentance that they couldn't even blush and be embarrassed. And the wheat, I will tell you this, the wheat are embarrassed when they sin. The wheat, when they find out it's contrary to God's Word, will do. God knows the intent of their heart. He says He judges the intents. He said, well, I thought He'd just judge my actions. No, He judges the intents, and I'm glad He does. Because when your desire is to do right and you fail, I'm glad he knows my intent. 
And because He's the Lord of, of my life, I'm one of the weak. I bow my knee to Him. And I say, God, I failed again. And you know what God tells me? You're, you're really bad, Chad. You're, he, it doesn't. God loves me. God died for me. God forgives me every time I come to the Lord. That's why the word mercy is used. It's merciful to me. But I'm a weep. But what I want to talk about is the tear, because the tear, I told you, they're holy tears. They don't care. They claim to be a Christian, but do not care about repentance. Do not care that God is the Lord of their life. And, 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 and aren't seeking for God to, to repair what has been broken. And that's what we have to really watch out for. We don't want to fall in that lifestyle. We don't want to be that, in that lifestyle. We want to be repentant over things. We want to, we want to watch the news and when something happens in our nation or around us, we want to be repentant even of our own people. Like, God, you know, that makes my heart sick. I'm sorry, God. And we want to be sensitive to God. We want to be, we want to be those who God is the Lord of our life. I totally forgot where I was at. Galatians 5, thank you. And you're so valuable up here. The acts of, the acts of the sinful nature. <laughs> but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful ma- nature are obvious. Sexually immoral. Now everybody understands that covers a lot of areas, right? It covers pornography, it covers uh, fornication, which is, I, I don't want to use words that are old King James, because a lot, of, a lot of young people really don't understand what that word even means. It means if a young person or an older person is not married, and um, they're sexually active to somebody they're not married to, that's fornication. Um, we all know, I think, what adultery means. We all know what pornography means. Um, the Bible doesn't uh, separate one or another. It just says sexually immoral. And uh, there's just a lot of things in our society that's sexually immoral. And what God wants us to do is uh, we're going to have a certain corruption because of the society around us. But again, God just wants to be the Lord of your life. You know, when you fail in this area... God's saying, just bow your knee. You need help in that area. And see, the, the, the enemy who's trying to destroy you, the enemy always says, run from God. The enemy does, there's two voices. One condemns. That's the enemy. Then the enemy always says, go away. You're bad. But the Holy Spirit always says, come, let us reason. Though your sins be like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. The Holy Spirit, both of them say the same thing. They both say you're guilty. They both say you've done something wrong. But the one is convicting and it just says, hey, just bow your knee to me and uh, you may fail again, but you be repentant. I'm the Lord of your life. I will make it white as snow. And you say, well, I've uh, I've been looking at pornography for 20 years then why are you giving God one week to get rid of it? Is that fair? If you've been bound for 20 years, why are you giving Him one week to get rid of it? Keep bowing your knee. That's part of the plan. 
You say, I fell and I keep asking forgiveness. That's part of the plan. That's part of the plan. That's why I died. That's why you cannot fail in this plan. That's why a fool needs not make a mistake. He wants you to be repentant. He wants you to, wants to be the Lord of your life. He's not telling you to run away. How are you going to get help if you run away? If you can't trust Him to clean your hands and allow you to worship, how are you ever going to get better? You can't. So the wheat are the ones that bow to the Lord of their life. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. These are a lot of different areas. I'm not going to go into each one, but um, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and every or and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will what not inherit the kingdom of God. So God is just trying to tell us: if you want to be one of the wheat. Just be very aware. Beware of this bearded Darnell. This is the one that doesn't repent. How many people in America believe they're Christians? It's it's somewhere between 70 and 80 usually in most of the polls that I've seen. Everybody believes they're the weak in this country. And the problem, the truth is that I'm trying to get in this message is some of you are not weak. You've never bowed your knee to God. You've never put your hands up and say, thank you for forgiving me. If you can't say, thank you for forgiving me, then you haven't trusted Him for forgiveness. Ever thought about that? If you've never thanked Him every day of your life, I mean, I'm amazed that God's forgiven me. I'm amazed that He's forgiven me. We should thank Him every day of our life and we should bow our knee to Him and say, I'm so thankful that you're not going to hold against me what I've done. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are not imputed against him. That means blessed is the man whose sins aren't held against him. See, there's only two kinds of people, the godly and the ungodly. There's the one whose sins are held against him, and there's the ones whose sins aren't held against him. There's the ones that have a God, and there are the ones that don't have a God. There are ones that have a Lord of their life, and the ones that don't have a Lord of their life. There's no in-between. You either have the seed of the enemy... Or you've received Christ and that seed is gone. And the Bible, what I was reading earlier, says examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. See if you pass the test. And you say, well, you're just saying that to be mean because you know that I'm into this kind of sin. No, I'm saying this because I want to help you have saving faith. I want to help you have the right kind of faith. I don't want to pat you on the back when you walk out of here and say, God bless you. Stay with your pornography. God bless you, you can still hate everybody that's around you. God bless you, God bless you, you can still envy your neighbor. And remember, I'm not perfect, okay? But I bow my knee to God. So that's recognizing, um, oh, let me go further. I didn't even finish Galatians. I'm bad about that. This is the good part. The terror will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now remember, the wheat are distinguished from the tares because they bear the fruit of wheat. You know, the grain that comes on the head of a wheat stalk 
is what we should bear as Christians. So a lot of people, this is where I get into this whole, am I a weed or am I a tear? Because a lot of people will say, and I've taught Sunday school for 20 years. Surely I'm a weed. And you look at that and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know you're still uh, really mean. You never really accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life. You know, there's no relationship with God, but yeah, you've taught Sunday school. You know, you say, well, I go to church every week. You don't realize how what a sacrifice that is. And it's like, but he's the Lord of your life. I didn't say, are you perfect? Don't get me wrong. It says, do you bow your knee to God? See the Lord of your life. And there are lots of things that we can look at and say that we're weak. But really the ultimate thing is when you mature, which you will, are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit? And the fruit of the Spirit is love. So do you, are you beginning to, can I be honest with you? I wasn't very good at the love thing when I first came to God. And man, I've matured in that area so incredibly much. I mean, I can't even tell you. And you know what's amazing? There are those whose sins are being held against them. And they're really, really good people. And they're much more loving than me. But they're going to hell. But here I am. I'm not even up to their level of love. But I've matured like a hundred times in that area. You understand that? You're not going to go to heaven and say, I'm a very loving, good person, and God's going to let you in. You're going to say, did you bow your knee? Did you get any more mature in that area? Then he's going to say, look at these other ones. He said, but I have the gifts of the Spirit. Do you remember the guy that walked in front of Jesus on the judgment day? He said, but Lord, I've cast out demons. I prophesied in your name. I've done all these wonderful things in the church. I have all these gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says in, in, in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, it says, man, he spoke with angelic tongues. The Bible says there's an angelic tongue we can speak with. It says we can understand all mysteries of the Bible. We can understand all these things. He gives everything he has to feed the poor. Man, I wish I would have thought of that. I would have said in that British accent like the song. Love that part. How many like that part? The song, I'll give everything I have to feed the poor. Sounds so much better. I, I should have really vocalized that, but some of you know what I, don't know what I'm talking about, though. So, um, But you can do all these things. You can have the gifts of the Spirit. You can be considered a prophet in this church. You can be considered a person that's really close to God and still not bow your knee as the Lord of your life. And the only real indication is, do you have the fruit? Joy. Remember one of the fruit of the tear is? It's dim-sided. The message I spoke last week was about living the full gospel. Meaning that there's a world to come. And this world, we always preach the gospel is this world. Your life's going to be better. You're going to be happy, joyful, peaceful. But the real joy comes when, when your reward is not in this world. You know, the, the, the people of faith in Hebrews, where it talks about all the great faith people in the Bible, every one of them, there were things that the Bible says they did not receive in this world that they were promised. 
You say, well, man, God's not faithful. God's not faithful because he promised Abraham all this land. He didn't get it. He promised these prophets certain things that got cut in half. You know, promised all these people these different things and they didn't receive it, the Bible says. God was trying to show us that real joy comes from knowing that there is a world to come. Your promises aren't all going to be fulfilled in this world. In fact, you're going to have a lot of disappointment if you're dim-sided. And that's part of the fruit of being a tear is they are dim-sided. It's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. If you want the joy that comes from the fruit of the Spirit, you can't be dim-sided. You can't just see in front of you. Peace that passes all understanding. Now hold on, I gotta understand what I'm going through. I gotta understand everything that's going on in this world. I gotta understand everything. No. God is gonna teach you when you're mature that I can have peace that passes my understanding. Why? Because this world doesn't last very long. There's no problem in this world that I'm worried about. We're gonna go through some things and that's okay. And see these, these things are beginning to grow in the wheat. But the guy standing next to him, the tear, these things aren't growing. It's like he's only there for the moment. It's like I'm here for, I'm here for something other than being the, God being the Lord of my life. I'm not bowing my knee to God. I'm just here because somebody told me to be here. I'm just here because it's the right thing to do. I'm just here because, you know, it's my obligation to God. There's no Lord of my life. A few more here. I'm not going to go over all the gifts of the Spirit, but patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the ever-loving self-control. So the only way you can begin to tell the difference between the wheat and the tares are one bears fruit and the other one doesn't, and they're about to be harvested. Now what's the problem with that? We need to find out a way to recognize who the tare is way before the harvest. You know, the Holy Spirit has to speak to you. If you're not living a life where your knee is bowed down to Christ, the Holy Spirit has to speak to you today. Because if you go out of this room and you continue to be deceived, you understand the implications if you continue to be deceived? To thinking you're living for God because you're doing activity. This is dangerous. And I don't want your blood on my hands. I don't want your blood on your hands not only because you know it's not me saying I want out of this. It's me saying I love you. I want to see you live for the Lord. I want to see your life full of the gifts or the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. I want to see you have love, joy, peace. I wouldn't want anybody to have to live in this world with that bitter fruit. Don't want it. Four things to beware of with a tear. Number one, beware of good works. Beware of good works being substituted for the Lordship of Christ. How many know that there are a lot of churches that it is, um, they call them social gospel churches. And all they do is good deeds for the community. And very rarely do you hear about repentance. Very rarely do you hear about sin. Very rarely do you hear about somebody coming in and hearing a gospel message about sin. Because everything is about just being good. It's skipping the lordship of Christ and going right into the 
Let's be a good person. Let's be gentle. Let's be kind. Let's try to be all these things that are the fruit of the Spirit. But you don't have to bow your knee to the Lordship of Christ. Beware of that. You say, well, isn't that a good thing? They're doing so many good things for the community and so many good things for people. Yeah, but they're being deceived. They're being deceived. They're going to go to the throne of God at the judgment day and they're going to say, he's going to say, give me an account of your life. And you're going to say, I was a really good person. I did so much charity. You know, some of the most charitable people in the world are some of the most wicked people in the world. They refuse to bow their knee. They do more damage to this world than they do good. You can't do more good than the little bit of damage you do when you're not living for God. For every life they save, they damn another soul to hell. I was not cussing there. That was the context of the Bible, so don't don't get mad at me. (laughs) But... Good works. You gotta watch it. I'm warning you as a pastor. Beware. Now, when you have faith in God and He's the Lord of your life, what will you do? Good works. When I walk to His throne, I'm gonna say, You're the Lord of my life. I bow my knee to you. That's what I'm gonna tell Him because that's what He requires of me. And I'm not even gonna mention all my good works because it was the least that I could do for Him. But we don't build our gospel on good works. The second thing you want to beware of with the bearded Darnell, beware of good beliefs. You know if you sit in a church that preaches truth all the time, you will probably agree with every single doctrine that I teach you. The Bible says in the book of, book of James, I think I'm going through puberty. My voice just changed. I've been waiting. <laughs> Been a while. 45, it's coming. James 2.19 says that the demons believe that there is one true God and they shudder. They shake. They got more fear of God than we have. And here's the thing about our culture today. Everybody has a strong belief. And I can go online and I I could talk to people about the doctrines of the Bible and they will agree with every single one that I'm teaching. There are people that will agree with every single doctrine that I'm teaching because they've heard so much truth in the Bible from their church that they can, they can explain thoroughly why they believe in every doctrine. But here's the problem. Their head believes in every doctrine, but they've still never bowed their knee to God. In America, we have that. They take a poll and they say, well... of Americans believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, how many have ever bowed their knee because of that truth? Maybe not very many. So a belief, beware. A belief is a danger of being a tear. Now, when we have bowed our knee to the Lord, what do we do with our beliefs? The Bible says that we dig into the Word of God and and, and basically when God's the Lord of our life, we believe what He says. So I'm going to have a strong fundamental belief in what the Bible teaches, but that's not why I'm saved. And if you're a tear, you can be a Republican, you can be a conservative, you can be a liberal that believes in good works. You have all these beliefs and all these things that you trust in but one day, all of it's going to fall down, and the question is going to be, have you bowed your knee to the Lordship of Christ? 
You can't just believe in the doctrines. You have to bow your knee to it. Number three, beware of good people. So isn't that the same as good works? No. There are people that are not going to make heaven their home who are kind and gentle. Nice people. Much nicer than me. Say, that's right. You're kind of like an ogre. You scare me a little bit up there. There are people that are really nice. All right? Don't call me Pastor Ogre. I don't like it. (laughs) But there are some people that are ten times nicer than me. And they're not going to make it to heaven. They're going to walk in front of the throne of God and they're going to say, He's going to say, why? They're going to say, because I'm so nice. Because I was so good to so many people. I was so nice. And He's going to say, well, why did I even die for you? You're so nice and so good that maybe I should, I didn't have to die. Maybe I shouldn't have died for you. You understand how opposite that is of the gospel? Gospel is we're all sinners. Every one of us. And the only way that we can be repaired is to bow our knee and make Him the Lord of our life. So beware, good people. And these are some terrible things to be aware of. You thought Bearded Darnell was really wicked, didn't you? Bearded Darnell is very sneaky. All right, he's very sneaky. Because it's Satan. Last thing, beware of good feelings. Everybody wants to have the feelings. Everybody wants to walk into church and say, oh man, it must have been real because I got goosebumps. And it must have been real because I was crying when he was speaking, man. He was speaking like an angel, like a little fat cherub. (laughs) But everybody wants the emotions. Everybody wants the emotions and faith is not built on emotions. I'm sorry. People want a preacher to stand up here and beg people to come to the altar. I don't beg people to come to the altar. Jesus doesn't beg you and force you to come worship Him. And everybody wants emotions, and the problem with emotions is they're really dangerous because the rest of your life you need emotions. It's like when I fail, what do I need? Something emotional, some kind of sign because God wants me to to bow my knee again. And this faith thing is nothing more. When I gave my heart to the Lord and I made Him the Lord of my life, I I walked into a church that I grew up at. I walked into the foyer and I knew that I needed something. I didn't know what it was, but I knew God was doing something in my life and He was convicting me of my life. I walked into that church expecting to find it there. And when I looked around the foyer of that church when I first walked in, All I seen were people going through the motions. I looked at the eyes and I looked at their eyes and they just looked dead and lifeless and just didn't look like what I was looking for. And I had a friend that I had met fairly recent at that time and he came walking through everybody and was like all excited to see me. I mean, like crazy excited. I said, man, I'm so glad to see you here. And I looked in his eyes and I said to myself, that's what I want. I feel like whatever happens to him, he's going to serve God the rest of his life. He's made God the Lord of his life. So I went home. There were no emotions. There were no altar calls. And the prayer that I said wasn't a 
prayer that I read somewhere. It just simply was, God, I'm going to put my hand in your hand, and no matter what happens, I'm never letting go. And that was my prayer. And that was a promise that I could keep. Because the Bible says there's no demon in hell. There's nothing below the earth, nothing above the earth. There's nothing that can make you let go of God's hand. But you know, I could let go of God's hand if I wanted. And that's what I'm warning you today. Grab a hold of His hand, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what trials, circumstances, emotions, no matter what it is in your life, you grab a hold of His hand and tell yourself, I will never let go. This is the most important thing in my life, and I will never let go of God. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how good it gets, good is as dangerous as bad. No matter how life ever goes from this day forward, I will never let go of God. There's no sin that can make me let go of God. There's no failure that can make me let go of God. There's no depression that can make me let go of God. And just say, like I did that day, I will never let go of your hand. And from that day forward, I haven't even came close to let go of God's hand. And this is a warning in this parable. If you've never grabbed a hold of His hand and given your life to God, today is the day. And if you are somebody that at one time held Him as the Lord of your life, and you've went away from that, you better get right today. Because there may not be any tomorrow. I just told one of my boys yesterday, he said, what are you preaching on? I said, I don't know, man. I want to make sure it's right. I said, I want to make sure it's the right word to preach to this congregation. I said, because you know what? Some of those people in that congregation may not be there next week. They may not be on this earth next week. And I remember every face of people that I preached to over the years that were not on the earth the next week that I came back. Remember every one of them. Worship team, you'd stand with me this morning. I'm a little late. I'm going to say a closing prayer and I'm going to open these altars up. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, I want you to find a place up here. I want to pray for you. If you feel like your walk is off track, I'm not going to beg you. I want you to come up here. I want to pray with you. I want to be a helping hand to you. We're going to begin to sing. Ryan, I like that song, Lord of All. Lord of All. Yeah, play that a little bit if you do. Lord of All. I was thinking about this morning when he was playing, playing that song. I was thinking about my message. Lord of all, through the storms, Lord of all, Lord of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray your blessing upon this people, Lord God. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to convict hearts, Lord God. If they're not right, Lord, I pray against the deception, Lord God. 